Goodbye, University. Welcome, everyone, to our monthly discussion. We've been talking about appreciation this month, and before we hit the record button, I was asking Nancy how her trip was, uh, because, well, it fits in perfectly with what we're talking about in May for advanced appreciation skills, and you started to share how well the family um, did with this gathering as a memorial for your mother, and it reminded me of the thing I put on my Facebook page uh, today, maybe, or yesterday, about death, and I thought, I don't know if there's a more challenging place for us to really tap into appreciation than on this topic because it's so natural for people to feel loss or to feel sorrow. And I'm not saying that there wasn't grieving involved in this, but what you were starting to share felt like it was so appropriate for this discussion. I said, oh, my gosh, can I hit the record button? <laughs> so <laughs> thanks, Nancy. Will you share a little bit about your experience at, at your mom's memorial? Well, yeah, and just as a little background, my, my mother – um, just two weeks shy of her 93rd birthday, died on March 1st. And um, and she had been really sick for maybe eight months prior. So uh, so her, her death really for the family felt like um, a release of pain and, mm. you know, letting go of pain. So because um, my mom lived back east in upstate New York where the winters get really bad and the snow was, the, the ground was frozen, the top six inches of the ground were frozen when she died, she couldn't be buried until May when the ground had a chance to thaw. So that's where I was the last week. Um, I was in New York for her um, burial and memorial. And I was telling Jeanette that it was just a really wonderful family um, closure experience and it was a chance for all of us to sit down and talk and be with each other and um, share good memories. And um, it, it was rather uplifting. Everyone felt that mom was in a better place and that um, this was really more about a life celebration than it was about mourning, um, mourning loss. So everybody was in a good mood and um, enjoyed connecting and being together. It was really great. You know, I'm not, I know you're not the first one to describe uh, – experiencing a loved one's transition in this way, but I still think it's rare enough that it really stands out as a beautiful example of what's possible for us when we, um, I don't, it didn't sound like you had to do any conscious vibration management around it. It sounded like it was just a really um, natural and organic unfolding of, and, and who knows, maybe not everyone in your family experienced it that way, but it doesn't surprise me at all to hear you talking about it like this. Yeah. Well, I have to say early on, like when when she initially died, when I first found out she was going into hospice and then she died two days later, I was finding myself crying and at the same time thinking, why am I crying? I mean, I, I she was in a lot of pain and I'm glad she's out of the pain and I'd re- I can feel her around me. I can feel she's happier out of the pain than in it. So why am I mourning this, why am I crying? And, and I, I ended up realizing for myself a couple of days after she died that this was, there were two things going on. There was part of me that was relieved for her and happy for her and another part of me, the little girl in me that missed my mommy, you know. And when I was able to acknowledge, oh, yeah, there's that little girl in me, I was able to kind of speak to her and comfort that part of me. And then all the sadness went away and, you know, and that was just a few days after she died. Okay. So, 
Yeah. Well, that t that fits in perfectly with something that I wanted to share about today. And, and this call is for whatever we want to talk about, um, whatever's up for us. It doesn't have to be appreciation related. But but one of the things I noticed is that when it comes to advanced appreciation or appreciation in general, faking it doesn't work. That it seems to me sometimes we got to air out that negativity or f process the feelings is all we're really talking about before we can genuinely get there. And I've I've noticed that for my in my own life recently, that um, after I vented some complainy type thoughts, I was full of love for the for the things, the sub the subjects, the people that I'd been complaining about. I was like their best champion. I was the biggest fan, and I thought, okay, people who are listening to me are gonna. I probably sound a little. Uh, what do you call people who go from one extreme to the other? Wishy washy or schizophrenic or something. But but I think that what it, it's part of. How we get to a better place is letting ourselves be in the not-so-good one when it's time for it, because I don't think we can skip that, and at least I don't think so. So so that, that sounds perfect, Nancy, when you said that you let yourself be sad, even though it didn't make a lot of sense at the time, you know, like it was, it was easy to see the benefits of how things had unfolded, but to just let yourself be sad, I think is a big part of how you were able to um, enjoy the memorial um, when you did fly out to be with the family. Right. And also I just want to say, you know, the week before my mom actually went into hospice, I had had a phone call with her where we I was on the phone for 40 minutes, but we only talked for maybe five out of that 40 minutes because she kept falling asleep. Mm. And I I got off that call and I emailed my sister and said, it, it's getting to the point where I can't even communicate with her by phone and this is this is bad. And after I sent that email, I thought to myself, uh, Nancy, hello, we're all connected vibrationally. I teach mm -hmm. this. I know this. Stop worrying about the phone and connect to your mother vibrationally. So that day, I just started um, reaching out to her vibrationally and sending her good thoughts and, and um, you know, sending positive energy her way so that um, – by the following week when she entered hospice and my sister called me so that I could speak to my mom by phone, I kind of felt like, well, I've been talking to her all week. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, okay, and that's, that goes hand in hand with the post. I, I want to read this. It's kind of long. Okay. okay. This is by Regis Professor of Divinity at the University of Oxford. Oh, that's so I love that post, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, no. I'm sorry. I got this wrong. Written by Henry Scott Holland. It says uh, 27th of January, 1847. Oh, that's his date. He was he died March 19th. Okay, you can tell I didn't care where it came from. I just loved what it said. It goes like this. Death is nothing at all. It does not count. I have only slipped away into the next room. Nothing has happened. Everything remains exactly as it was. I am I, and you are you, and the old life that we lived so fondly together is untouched, unchanged. Whatever we were to each other, that we are still. Call me by the old familiar name. Speak of me in the easy way which you always used. Put no difference into your tone. Wear no forced air of solemnity or sorrow. Laugh as we always laughed at the little jokes that we enjoyed together. Play, smile, think of me, pray for me. Let my name be ever the household word that it always was. Let it be spoken without an effort, without the ghost of a shadow upon it. Life means all that it ever meant. It is the same as it ever was. There is absolute and unbroken continuity. What is this death but a negligible accident? 
Why, why should I be out of mind because I am out of sight? I am but waiting for you for an interval somewhere very near, just around the corner, all is well. Okay, that last part sounded a little ominous. <laughs> like, uh, death is waiting for you right around the corner. We'll be together soon. But I really, really, really loved, it feels very, very Abe-friendly, how Abraham tells us, you know, death is not the big thing we make it of, and we make of it. And it seems to me that this thing can spoil our appreciation in in a lot of ways. So it felt really relevant to our topic today. Thanks for it expanding on that on our recording that yeah i love that post i love that it came from the 1800s and like the mid 1800s too like it didn't come from like oh somebody who has been studying aids you know oh right yeah (laughs) agreed agreed well let me say hello to um everyone else who's dialed in i see susan is here how are you susan glad to be with you all Nice to hear your voice again. And Guillaume is also dialed in. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm good, thank you, Jeanette. Just got in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you joined us. Thanks for making time. So, no uh, I, I'm delighted to hear what others have been experiencing this month in their appreciation practices. Uh, I've got a recent unfolding that sure got my attention. When yesterday on on Facebook, one of my friends that I actually mastermind with. Uh, posted on her page about how, uh, oh, it was a West Virginia Republican politician who said something about rape that she sure did not appreciate. And he said something like, oh, I'm going to quote him wrong. It was something like, you know, it's not all bad. Something good can come from it. Like if a if a woman has a baby from it or something. And the and she was basically, she was inviting her community to bash him, and bash him they did. And the comments were really, really, really harsh. And I, I see a lot of posts like this on Facebook that, that are easy for me to pass by, but this one I didn't. And I don't know – well, I, I realized later why I couldn't stop thinking about it, and it's because of who posted it. Like, um, I, I think it's accurate of me to call her – she's an international luminary. She's, she leads a lot of women, and she's known as a spiritual leader. So I wrote her privately because I, I didn't want to put it on her page, but I wrote her privately, and um, it was pretty clear we weren't seeing eye to eye. So I blogged about it, and this felt to me like this is what we're talking about when we when we talk about advanced appreciation. And um, uh, the title of the post is "Question Everything," and what I was what I and I used this specific example about how this guy, this Republican politician, who's the last guy I would expect to get a better feeling thought from on pretty much anything, but but there he is. That was not a very feel-good thought. There he is offering a better feeling thought and getting a lot of hate mail for it. And And I thought, but what if he's right? And why wouldn't we entertain any thought that feels lighter? Clearly, the thoughts that I was having did not feel lighter to my friend. Um, she was, I think she... Oh, I won't say what her experience of me was, but let's say she did not engage me for any further dialogue once she understood what my perspective was. Um, but being, I was writing about how well it serves us to find the softer thoughts and that whatever it is, we, we know this, this is old hat for us, that whatever we push against, we empower. What we resist persists, so it never makes any sense to fight against what we don't want. And that's what we're doing when we conjure up thoughts that don't feel fabulous. I heard Abraham say recently, anything that doesn't feel good is resistance. So, 
And I un- I also understand that for a minute, it might feel better to engage those thoughts, but I don't think it does for very long. And when I say very long, I mean like, I mean, no one knows what the time frame is. There's not an expiration date on negative thoughts. But if this is an, a habit of thought, if it's like your pattern and a dominant way of being, what you're known for, you probably have been there longer than is really helpful to the movement or, or certainly to, to what it is that you want to create in the world. So my post, it was using this specific example of better feeling thoughts about rape, but it could be applied to any subject that's easy for us and common for other people to push against. And what I was really doing was inviting people to make sure they aren't getting swept up with popular opinion or uh, or the, the safe line of thinking that no one would question. Because trust me, every time I, I brought this conversation up, and I did in three different ways, four actually, um, I talked to another friend about it, I talked to my dad, I talked to my best friend, and I talked with Russ about it. And as soon as I started... It, the story with the quote from the from the po- politician, everyone was like, "Oh my God, <laughs> okay, like like that is a pretty that's a pretty easy response," and um, and I get it. And for me to continue, like in defense <laughs> in defense of the guy that said something good can come from rape, people were like, uh, "Okay, Jeanette's gone off the rails." <laughs> I was like, okay, this is advanced appreciation. I. I, I kind of expected that in some circles this wouldn't be that eyebrow-raising, but apparently it still is. So that was my opportunity to practice it, not just to myself privately, but because I do I do consider myself someone who is good at walking the talk and inviting others to do the same by example. I did post about it. I wasn't shouting it on my Facebook page trying to pick a fight with everyone who didn't agree. But for but for people who are looking for inspiration on what this stuff looks like in action, this felt like an appropriate example. That was one of my favorite examples of how I was diving in with um with the kinds of appreciation skills you don't see every day. But I will say I posted in I think it might have been the relationships forum or maybe it was on the appreciation thread about how Oh, maybe two or three weeks ago, I was engaging the new practice of texting Russ one nice thing about him every day, and I kind of wanted to do it on the download so it didn't look really obvious, like, oh, Jeanette's got a little campaign going on. I I, I wanted it to be to kind of like fit in really well, and I probably did it for a week and a half before I fell off with that practice, and I realized how often that can happen for me when um, when I don't set myself up for success by remembering to engage it. Like I always use a sticky note. If it's something i got to remember, I write it down somewhere where I'm going to see it. I did not do that with this. And once I forgot about it, I, I it's, it was probably, I went at least a week before I remembered, oh, I was supposed to do that thing. So I was thinking I actually wanted to continue the practice, but I don't think I wanted to do it with him. I think I want to just do it in the forums, believe it or not. So... I think that that practice is going to morph for me. Um, but I will say, overall this month, what I've noticed, and, and part of this came up in the 100 positive thoughts in a row attempts. I've been uh, writing in the forums about my experiences there. And I think, Nancy, you really nailed it when you were talking about momentum, because it seems to me in, in a variety of ways, I'm noticing how quickly momentum can get hold. It can take hold where when I'm laying the foundation of thankfulness and gratitude and appreciation. And uh, so I was talking with 
a colleague about this yesterday when they were saying how they were talking about likes on a Facebook page, about like how long it seems to take to get from you know 100 likes to 200 likes, but to get from 10,000 likes to 20,000 likes on their business page, that happened pretty quickly. And they were, my colleagues were talking about how it's a function of the momentum. And, and it reminded me of how I, I had that, that speech for 401k investors when I would say, look, you're gonna, it's going to seem like $25 a paycheck isn't much and it's not going to add up to anything. And even the first year after you look at your statements, you're not going to be that impressed. But five years, ten years down the road, you're going to be very happy with making this decision. And I'd, I'd seen enough of those accounts grow, to, including in my own, to know how that works. It seems to me that appreciation works the same way because it's like um, through this month, like my brain's running on an assumption that we're going there. So no matter what comes up, it's on the lookout for what to appreciate. It's like it's like pre-programmed with what's good about this, what's right here. And uh, And I don't have to... You know, like with a wayward puppy who's just learning to walk on the leash, you know how you got to keep pulling them back? This is where we're going. This is how it works. It doesn't do that anymore. It's like it's out in front leading me that way, and I think that's the power of the practice. So I've been feeling the payoff from this focus this month, and, and I'm curious to hear if anyone else has uh, any experiences to share or, or any tips for engaging it. I have a lot of things. <laughs> oh, who's this? Is this the this Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, nice to hear you. Let's hear your thoughts. Thank you. Well, one of the first things was, um, and I've been waiting to be able to make a call. One day I went to the store, and I had a bunch of 20s. And I don't know why, but $5 bills are like my favorite bills in the world. And I'm like, God, I never get $5 bills of change. I always get 10s. Uh, it would be nice to have some fives. I went in there, they gave me all fives. And everywhere I go now, I get fives. So, <laughs> so I appreciate my fives. But the biggest, biggest um things that have been happening for me as far as appreciation goes is my mom is has been very sick and she's actually actively dying right now it could be hours or days so i'm at her bedside 24 7 and just determined to make this positive for her and for me and you know asking god i i, I need to know that she's safe that this is easy for her. You know, give me some signs. And one thing, though, when when she was first sick, before she got bedridden, I was constantly taking her to doctors, and I was like, you know, parking space up front would be nice because she can't work that well and walk that well. And, man, I always got one. But now that she's in this phase, um, you know, I'm just feeling good about it, and I'm praying on it, and I'm like, I, I just want this to be joyous, and I want to know it's joyous for her. My cousin came over the other day, and... She dropped some food off. I didn't even know it and left. And then she comes over the next day. She goes, i got to show you this picture. She said that there were deer walking across your street, and I stopped and took a picture. And I swear there's a spirit in there. Mm. I can send you the picture. And then two days ago, I was standing in the kitchen, and I was like, you know, God, let me know she's okay. And a little bird flew right on the kitchen window and just sat there and didn't move. I walked right up to it. I took wow. its picture. I got a picture of that, too. And... um and uh then you know my mom's been talking to me she said you know she saw my grandfather and you know she said i i saw jack and he's been dead about 35 years and um another thing that's kind of silly but i was laying in bed and i haven't been able to leave the house and i said god i'd really love some raisin bran and my cousin came over and she had some raisin bran Stop it. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, i wasn't freaking out about it so that that this has been a tremendous lesson in appreciation for me because it's 
I could make this really bad. You know, this could be yeah. really a horrible experience, and I'm determined not to let it be for me or for her, especially for her. Well, especially as the primary caretaker. I think, you know, when we have a front row seat for a, a lengthy visit with this, it's certainly more challenging, especially if we if we're finding it challenging. And I, you didn't certainly say this, but I know many experience that their own self-care goes on the back burner when they're supporting someone else like this. But, oh, I, yeah. but I would suggest, and I, I could be totally wrong about this, but I, I, I suspect that, um, well, this isn't true either. I was going to say her experience is her experience, and she gets to do it however she wants to do it. And yet I know everything comes from us. We're creating all of this, including co-creating mom's experience of death. So um, I was going to say I wouldn't hold too tightly to her experiencing joy through this, but hello, if you're making it all up, why not? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's more like if I'm joyful, she's not going to be fearful and stressed. And mm-hmm. it's, I've been watching this go on for such a long time. In the past nine days, she's been going through every single step. And, you know, I watch it, and it's like the exact process of a birth. You have the mm-hmm. the contractions, the labor, and, you know, all these days. It's, I'm like, God, I'm watching a birth. I'm not watching mm-hmm. a death. Oh, wow. Oh, and my bird. What a beautiful turnaround, Patrice. It is. It's a birth. And I told her, I said, Mom, you're, you know, you're going to be born into the most fabulous place and everybody's there waiting for you. You're never going to be alone. And it's just been quite a miracle to, to watch. Oh. It's, you know, and I know that once it's over, I'm really going to, I'm probably going to have, you know, my moments of breakdown. But just to watch it slowly, second by second, and not focus on the fact that, I'm not going to see her again, but focus on the fact that she's going through the most beautiful process. You know, it's natural. We all are going to go through it. Wow. And I told well, and, I, and I told her, too, I said, I did mention birth. I said, Mom, it's just like when a baby's born, we all know it's coming. We're waiting. You know, they got the doctors there ready to catch it. And she started laughing at that. And I said, <laughs> it's the same with you because she can't talk, but she can hear. And I'm like, it's the same thing, Mom. I said, you're just... Take your time. Do it in your own time. I said, but know that there are people there waiting who love you and are expecting you and so excited that you're going to be there. Wow. Wow. You know, because you know how excited we are when a baby comes. And I think it's the same thing, personally. Friend, what what a powerful presence to have at the bedside. I mean, kudos to you for that. Here I was thinking my big stretch for appreciation would be figuring <laughs> out how to like my gray roots. <laughs> you and Nancy are rendezvousing with death in a way that really um, makes me want to bow down and say, wow, hats off to you guys. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that, Patrice. That's really You're welcome. Powerful. Thank you for yeah. allowing me to. I, I don't have anyone to talk to. So. Well, it, it definitely yeah. belongs on this call because those are some advanced skills. So thank you for sharing that. And I again, I think the value of sharing this with each other is so that when someone else's time comes, it, you know, in a similar situation, we know it, it feels more possible because we've seen someone that we know do it. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't theoretical. It isn't abstract. It isn't too woo-woo to wrap our arms around because we know, we know it, this can, it can be this way. So I think these shares are really powerful. Thanks again, yes. Patrice. Thank you. Um, who else has something to share <laughs> so we don't have to hear about my gray roots, <laughs> my gray root challenge? <laughs> I agree, Nancy. She says, how interesting that death is the theme in today's call. Yeah. It's birth. Oh, amen to that. <laughs> you know, I, I got to say something. I saw something on Facebook, where the and it, it was just perfect timing with what's going on with my mom. And it was these two babies, these twins in a womb. 
and the the person had written, you know, the babies were talking, and the one baby said, "Do you think there's life after birth?" And the other baby said, "Oh no, once we're out of here, that's it." And the other guy said, the other baby said, "Oh no, I think there'll be a light and it'll be fun." And the other one said, "No, the umbilical cord's too short. We're just gonna die." So it's funny <laughs> because we all there's such a limited perspective. We're all in in a womb in every different stage. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> very nice, very nice. I'm laughing that um. You know, that's probably why I'm laughing that it's easier for me to appreciate. And and I am a person who has experienced rape, so I'm not talking about this uh, hypothetically, but that it's easier for me to find appreciation there than it is for the gray roots that uh, every day that passes, I'm like, oh, you got to make an appointment, Jeanette. you got to make an appointment. Did we lose her? Oh, yeah. I think we did lose her. Anybody there? Mm-mm. I guess her roots didn't want to be talked about. Yes. <laughs> They're deeply rooted. <laughs> oh, <throwback. laughs> oh, <you're funny. laughs> I was going to tell her I use sun in. <laughs> Just go in and spray some sun in on your hair. I've been doing that for 20 years. <laughs> and do those cover the roots? Yeah. Oh, cool. Of course, my hair is usually blonde, so maybe I don't know if that makes a difference. She has not like a dark blonde. Although yeah. It's been more brunette more recently, I think, but it might work for her too. It's worth a try. It's a dollar ninety nine, <laughs> and you just spray it on, you know, once every few weeks or something, and blow dry your hair, and it's good. I wonder, would she be able to get back on? I wonder if she knows she's not on. I wonder if she's still talking. <laughs> to do, I just emailed her. Oh, okay. <laughs> she may be trying to get back on. Oh, well, I'm going to hang up because... I don't like to be on the phone, of course, because of my mom. And I'm actually in a back room, and I want to go back into the front room where I can hear her if she needs me. And I hope everybody has a magnificent day. Sending you Thank joy. you, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. So while we wait for Jeanette to come back on, um, other, uh, you know, what does she call it? Not enormous appreciation, but um, advanced appreciation. How about you, Susan? Um, oh, for a pre- advanced appreciation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had to employ it of late. Um, to uh, get to a space to allow some, it wasn't really contrast so much as I kept losing things, but they weren't really lost. Like I'm in the car, and you know, I this was the the funniest one. I had put, I'd been to the library, and I put um, the book a couple of the books that I'd gotten on the seat. And then when I went to get out, one was not there. And 
I'm like searching the car, and my car along the doors has these little, um, uh, not really shelves, but little pockets. And I looked everywhere, and then I just said, I know it's in the car. It didn't jump out of the car. And so I have to just really appreciate how much I know that the I'm going to enjoy what I got from the library and go forth from there and stuff. And then um, went in the car the next day and opened the passenger side to put something in, and the book had been small enough that it had fallen inside the pocket. Ah. And I see it. But it it really, instead of driving myself nuts, going, I know this is in the car, where is it? I just had to say, I know I'm going to love reading this book when it comes. Yeah, when you finally find it. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> well, not even that. I didn't even go to find it. I just know how much I'm going to enjoy reading this book without the overlay of it's missing mm. to move the appreciation beyond that. So, yeah. Well, I have I have uh, two stories, but I don't think they're really related to appreciation. I, I had um, I, my business checkbook had disappeared when I, oh, here's Jeanette, she's back on. Here you are. Can we hear you? Jeanette? She's back in the uh, chat yeah. room. Uh, oh, she said she lost internet and phone. Yeah, and phone. Mm. But she must have internet back. Cause she's... <laughs> yeah. Well, last year when I went to visit uh, my family, I had hid my business checkbook and I had hit it so well I couldn't find it. <laughs> so when I came back I couldn't find it. So I've been looking and looking and looking and then last week I thought, you know what? Just I need to just go order a new check. You know, no big deal, just go order new checks and stop worrying about the one I've lost. So I went to research that and I didn't like the solutions that the bank had for me. And the next day I wrote on a piece of paper, Spirit, please find for me my business checkbook, and there was one other thing. I had bought some stamps back in February, and I couldn't find those either. I asked Spirit to show me. And the next day, I was sitting in my bedroom, and all of a sudden, I don't even know why, I started poking around inside my um, bedside table, and under a bunch of stuff in there was my business checkbook that I'd been looking for. And then later in the day, I got this inkling that the the stamps I was looking for were in my car, and I went out to my car. They weren't in the pockets in the side, you know. They weren't were the normal places I look, and so I decided to pop open the um, the glove compartment, and there yeah. they were. So not so much about appreciation, but definitely about letting go and kind of surrendering and, you know, I, I well, didn't say... I'd been saying, please help me find this, please help me find this, but when I actually wrote down, okay, Spirit, find these things for me, and I really think I let it go more. And then I I finally found them. (laughs) But don't you think you have to appreciate um, that whatever it is is perfectly fine to be able to let it go? I'm learning that more and more, and 
and I have to say, I think Easy World helped me mm-hmm. a, a lot because I'd be so frustrated, so kinked up about something that I couldn't even think straight. And I'd invoke Easy World and then go take a nap or go do something relaxing. And and things would just work themselves out. And I, could, I had more proof at that point that, oh, you know what? It's it's easier on you and everybody else <laughs> to just relax mm-hmm. and, let things, and let things kind of come together. Right. So. And as Jeanette just said in the chat room, holding it loosely. So that's sort of easy world for you. Yeah. You, you just say it's going to happen in its time, in its way. I have what I need. Um, what are some other ways you, that, you know, you, you go take a nap, which m- moves you out of that emotion, really, that feeling. Yeah, it, it allows me to um, let go of all the tension I might have in my body, too, because usually if my brain's spinning, my body is, is you know, likewise all kinked up and, and tense. And taking a nap for me helps me just short-circuit all that and drop the stories. Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm taking a nap. <laughs> uh, so. I think Jeanette's back in on the phone. As I you- am. I can appreciate that that doesn't happen very often. (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you. I love what Nancy was sharing about how, and I only caught, you were halfway through the sentence, Nancy, when you were talking about letting go and um, how that's part of the process uh, or, or part of what you were practicing. And I think that's part of how we can get to appreciation, right, by um, by being willing to to be very allowing and to hold things loosely and to be able to let go of, you know, ideas of how things should have been, right? Right. So um, I guess it's, you know, this is like Kim's always talking in astrology about when you're looking at a chart that when, you know, they have conjunctions or oppositions or trines or whatever, that those those planets are forever connected. And she equates it to when you pick up one leg of the table, you know, the two of the others get raised as well. They're 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 connected. I wonder if it's the same with appreciation, that part of the way for us to practice this really well is to involve some of our other LOA skills as well. And to do little appreciations. I think that that builds the muscle. Yeah, yeah I keep talking to them. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, they, you know, so if I'm finding it... Um, not easy world <laughs> to, to get to uh, uh, be uh, okay. So somebody um, chose to take a corner too um, sharply in my garage at work and took off paint uh, from the front of my car. I was finding it really difficult to be appreciative. <laughs> so I, I I began doing little appreciations. Um, I, I really enjoy riding in my car. It it work, drives well. I, those kinds of things all connected to the car. Till I could get to the place that I could let go of, you know, 
what person chose to do this um, to the, and they didn't leave a note or any of those other kinds of things. So it, it was by doing that that I was able finally to get to the place of, you know, I appreciate this. I appreciate that um, it was a car. It, there was uh, just dings and, and paint, and that's all fine. Any part of that material can be fixed. And in fact, in the couple of days later, there was a Groupon for a local, you know, ding and dent shop to be able to have a discount on fixing the dents. So it all came through. But I had to get there through baby step appreciations. Amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah, I, I, think that baby, I think that baby stepping is really helpful on many levels because it helps us dig ourselves out of, you know, the well, but it also is an ongoing practice, helps us build our appreciating skills so that the next time we're in the red-hot moment of contrast, we're more likely to be able to reach for something that feels better. So in Susan's example, I might have said, well, at least I'm glad I live in a country where making those kinds of, of repairs is rather common. Mm. Um, all it takes is money <laughs> to, mm. to, to take care of it, you know. And I, something as little as that, a very general um, appreciation can begin to baby step me more toward, okay, this is not as bad as it could be. You know, there there are blessings here. And, and I often do try to look for the blessings in right in the middle, in the red-hot moment of a contrast, because I find that that really does also help me um, get to appreciation a lot faster. Because our, our brains tend to catastrophize, or at least mine does, um, where it's all or nothing bad. But we know that life isn't always all or nothing bad. You know, there's... It's usually a lot of good mixed in there, but we're not paying attention to that. We're paying attention to the part we don't like. So when we begin to, you know, uh, uh, on a regular basis choose to baby step toward appreciation, we, we just build those appreciation muscles. Agreed. Agreed. I was thinking about um, how... Someone said something that made me think about how some people turn things around by, by putting in the perspective of first world problems. My, mm -hmm. The way my dad always says it is, rich. He, he'll say, "Oh, rich people problems." He, he'll <laughs> say to me when I'm complaining about something, and that makes both of us laugh out loud and smile. That's an, like an instantly realigning thought. It plugs me right back in to the neighborhood of appreciation, if not appreciation itself, but usually it's like a direct hit. So it's, but I don't know if it works as well if I say it my own self or if if it's just magic when my dad says it. I don't know. I'll have to try it myself and see. It's a good thing you're rich too, <laughs> right? <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So are you going to tell us about your roots? <laughs> well, I was just saying in chat room that might have been you know universe is honoring my commitment to appreciation that it it cuts me off when. 
I'm not going there. <laughs> so maybe I'm not meant to elaborate. But what I can appreciate, you, did you guys hear me mention the book that I got on this subject? No. No. You were, okay, so you were I got cut off then. No. I talked for a long time to myself, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, I... I was at uh I met Cassie and Melanie for lunch yesterday at Oasis Cafe and they have a bookstore right next door, Golden Braid, really cool bookstore. And so I find often find stuff there that I wouldn't see at Barnes and Noble. And I got a book called I Feel Great About My Hands and the subtitle is And Other Unexpected Joys of Aging. I didn't I didn't scan it, I didn't or skim it. I um it's I don't know who the author is. It says edited by Sherry Graydon. I don't know who the author is. But I, I expected this was going to be something that was going to help me appreciate getting older. And I was even thinking about how, how I could feel differently about these roots. And I thought, number one, that's a sign of how fast my hair is growing. That feels like a healthy sign to me, a good sign. And I, and I, I can think of these gray hairs as like um, stripes that I've earned. You know, like this is, there's something really empowering about crone energy and um, maturity just in general like the wisdom of not making the mistakes that I made in my 20s like that's to be celebrated and Nancy the way you talked about um, you ha- you talked about this gray swirl that goes that starts at your temple and goes through your hair because you're talking about how it kind of started to go away when you were using when and the way you talked about that was with such appreciation for that like you weren't happy it was going away but you're just like noticing it is but you, when you talked about it, you said you you kind of talked like it was something you appreciated, and I was like, I would like to get there. I would like to live that. <laughs> they're silver linings, Jeanette. They're not roots. They're silver linings. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a hair girl who refused to call them gray. She called they're sparklies. <laughs> I like it. I, I just, couldn't really get a foothold in there, but I I liked it. Um, well, I curl my hair. Um, I usually do it. You know, if I'm going to go out, I do it first thing in the morning, and then I don't bother or don't deal with it for the rest of the day. And that that line of gray, well, you know, it starts out really kind of curly cue-ish, and you know, and then through the day it kind of um, softens and what have you. But I really have gotten to the point that I like it. And yeah, as I've been using when it's not as noticeable as it was before, which is really amazing. And my my hair. The brown part of my hair has become a richer color as well. But um, I, I, Nancy, that makes me wonder. I wonder if one of the reasons that when wasn't working for me is because I have resistance to gray hair. Because if I have resistance to gray hair, universe can't put me on a trajectory for for minimizing it. You know what I mean? Like well, all or, for, ha- or be- for having it look really good, yeah. Right, 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 right. I mean, I, actually, I'm having a fabulous hair day, and I've been having plenty. I found a different shampoo. And I do love it, but um, but I wonder if like if the stories that we tell, it's 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 like how we get navigated through. Uh, Abraham talked about this really well. He said you should see the aerial view of yourself, <laughs> and you know based on the vibrations that you're emanating, the things that come to you and the things that can't come to you because of how you're vibrating. I had someone who. You guys probably saw him in the blog comments. Um, he says he tells a story about how his brother and his father stole five million dollars from him, and he wants to know how to get it back. And um, he's been writing me with that story for a while. I think he finally got tired of me not answering him directly, so he posted on the blog. And I finally wrote him back, and I said, "Your story is your story is I, too strong. I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to get past it. And until you're willing to feel it or tell it differently, 
I, there's nothing I can do to help you. And, um, boy, he sure didn't like that. But I'm no different. I'm, he, he wrote me back. He said, I'm not, I refuse to tell a different story. That's the coward's approach. I was like, whoa. Well, if you see it as a cowardly approach to tell a different story, then that certainly wouldn't work for you. But, but honestly, I, I don't have anything for you. Um, but I'm no different with my gray hair, right? The same way he, he's telling that story so strongly. Uh, how, I mean, finding at least neutrality, let alone appreciation for it. Nothing can shift until we get there. Oh my gosh! It well, says I've oh, it says I've hung up, but I'm still here as Utah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, you know what's really interesting, Jeanette, is that um, the uh, I don't know if you can call back in with your new number now. Maybe if your phone is working. Ooh, I bet I can, but I don't want to miss it. Keep going, Nancy. I'll, oh, okay. I'll just... When I was a kid, I watched a lot of women um, dye their hair so as not to look old and not to, and my mother was one of the few women who didn't dye her hair. And I had mm-hmm. such respect for her as she went mm-hmm. through the salt and pepper stage and, and you know, and then her hair finally became completely silver. And I just remember thinking, even as a kid, that I I want to own my, you know, gray hair. Body. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be tied to dyeing it. I just, I know other women do and they're happy with it and that's great. But for me personally, I just didn't want to be tied to that. And so I've, my whole life, I've kind of grown up appreciating looking at women who, who age gracefully. And I don't mean they dye their hair, but they, they've got that gray hair, but they cut it beautifully and they wear it well and they're still elegant in their 80s. You know, I, to me, I find that really inspiring. And so that's part of part of how I got to the appreciation of the gray hair and appreciation that there are women out there who have figured out how to do it gracefully, and I want to be one of them. <laughs> um, but I also want to say there's a woman, her name is Donna Gates, and she's responsible for the body ecology diet and um, the body ecology approach to to health and well-being. She's a nutritionist and um, world-renowned. She She coined the term body ecology. She's she introduced um, stevia to the American market. She's she's just very well respected. Um, I placed an order for some enzymes, and with it, I ended up getting a DVD all about um, beauty. And when I get it and I watch it, I'll I'll share with you guys what what tidbits she suggests. But part of that is she says you can re you can reverse your gray hair and go back to your regular hair color. So I You know, know. I've heard I've heard that before, but we wouldn't be able to do that if we were in resistance to it, right? Oh, or, that's true. That's or if we did, maybe we would be able to pull it off, but then just something else would go wrong for us to complain about or not be happy with, right? Right. 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 True. Okay. Susan, you were you were uh, Yeah, I just want to read um from the the blurb from the book Why the Universe Shoved It in Your Hands. Um <laughs> It says, um, Nora Ephron struck a chord with I Feel Bad About My Neck, which was very resistant to aging. Um, Women's advocate and acclaimed writer uh, Sherry Graydon set out to counter the supposed downhill, downhill slide inspired grief by inviting notable women of age, notable women of age from across Canada, all over 50, to provide an alternative perspective. Mm. <laughs> so that book's 50 
shades of alternative. I love it. I love it. And it fits with what I was just what I said earlier about when after Patrice shared and I was saying how powerful it is for us to see another's experience of it to know to be, I think it makes it more possible for us to embrace ourselves. It feels like that book is going to do exactly that for me. <laughs> oh, that's very cool. Did did anyone see uh Lisa in Charismatic Woman? She's launching a new program. It starts actually in t- 2 hours on uh agelessness maybe it's something like that. I don't know if anyone else is plugged into that, but that also might be a, a good place for me to invest some time to really get down with. Um, and, and I say just gray roots because I don't let them get much longer than that. <laughs> like, I've never had like gray hair hair. I've never let it grow, grow out. I don't know when I will, but I, I'll say this. Um, I Oh, this is interesting. It doesn't feel like I'm in an environment where it's safe to do that because Russ has made it very, very, very clear how much he does not like gray hair. He is gray himself and he hates it. He said if it were appropriate, if it were acceptable for men to dye their hair, he would do it. And I tell him, men dye their hair. And he's like, yeah, but you know that they do and you make fun of them for it, so I can't. But he really doesn't like gray hair on him or anyone, including me. And I, I think that's one reason why I haven't really even allowed myself to contemplate the idea of letting it grow out. And that sure feels like a kinky thing to release, because if anything's going to get in the way of my appreciation, it, that's a potential obstacle, wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's an interesting point right there, Jeanette, where how do you get to the place of appreciation when you live in a household where there's no love, no appreciation for that particular subject. And we also know, Nancy, right, he's just reflecting something within me, something. Like, that's coming from in me. I might put it on him. It might be coming out of his mouth, but there's some part of me. I also grew up with a mom who didn't dye her hair and wore it loud and proud. I don't know that it was because she was decided to embrace her gray or because we didn't have money for for hair visits so she just decided to make the best of it i don't know but um but it i didn't experience it the same way you did nancy like as something to embrace and she went gray really early as i think i am too i don't know what early is but it feels like i don't i actually know how much gray hair i really have but um yeah i mean i think for it's we're it's not very empowering for us to say well it's like me if I were on the down low with like, well, pff, they can say, all my friends and respected colleagues can say what they want about rape. Um, I'm going to, like, it would have been easy for me to conclude this is not a safe thing. I'm still halfway living that because I did not put that post on Facebook. I, I consciously did not put that post on Facebook. And I think part of that is because, well, one, I didn't want to ruffle feathers. I was like, you don't need to pick a fight, Jeanette. You don't need to try and make someone look bad. But um, but I think also that I think in the heat, I, the, the heat, I expected to take even just posting it on, in my own circle of LOA savvy readers. Sometimes it doesn't feel really safe to practice appreciation because we'll be ridiculed or shunned or, um, you know what, and I know people practice this in their own sphere, within their own body. I cannot tell you how many how many clients have told me that they're nervous to embrace, to accept, to appreciate their bodies as is because they're afraid they will not change if they do that. 
when we know it's the exact opposite. And if that's true for us and our bodies, it has to be true for the, the wider circle as well, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's so interesting to me. There there are some people on Facebook who are really, um, they're out there uh, sharing their opinions all the time. But if you share an opinion on their post that's opposite of what they think, they'll go after you with, Every, I mean, there's no, like, they tolerate their own opinion, but they don't tolerate anybody else's opinion. And it's just so interesting to see. It's almost a bullying um, uh, culture. And and I think it's important to note that you didn't, you know, post it publicly, that you chose to do it privately on your blog. And that the people who read your blog are more likely to be people who have studied Abe or have followed you for a while and they understand that... Mm-hmm. They're LOA savvy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're more LOA savvy, and or or like a few people in your comments said, well, I didn't know what you were talking about, but I kept reading, and then I then I finally understood what you were saying, and so you have an audience that's tolerant that won't Thanks. jump to conclusions after the first sentence. They'll they'll actually read the blog post and and follow along. You you you're. Nancy, what you just shared is showing me another opportunity for us to practice appreciation where we might not otherwise. And I'm thinking about Susan Hyatt's post on Facebook recently where she was she was quoting someone who said, I noticed you deleted my comment from your page. It was someone who disagreed with her, and she said she was basically celebrating her ability to censor what goes on her page. And um, And I was thinking about how is this – like that – that action could have so many different vibrations behind it, right? Like that could be the one of resistance. It could also be the one of self-love. It could be one of um, empowerment. It could yes. be empowerment. Yes. It could be that. So I was thinking, wow, like if 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 I could appreciate someone fully, and you know, a lot of that has to do with the energy that they're flowing. If someone has a different opinion. Um, I don't need everyone to agree with me. I really, truly don't. I have been accused of that before by a close friend who I think has no basis in saying that. I'm like, hello, have you met my boyfriend who thinks he's one of the biggest LOA skeptics I know, ex-boyfriend, and that didn't prevent me from having including him in my life. So I think I have evidence that shows I don't require everyone in my world to agree everything I do in order for them to be part of it. But if I could appreciate someone's different perspective that would that feels like a mastery level too for appreciation not just yeah. allow it not just make room for it not just tolerate it but embrace i mean appreciate it that we appreciate the disagreements or the different perspectives maybe disagreement isn't the right word yeah, yeah. i don't have a lot of opportunities to practice what susan did but um, I, so I don't really know how I would manage that, but um, but I like the thought of using it as an opportunity to go. Fi- look, advanced appreciation skills. That's what uh, that's what I'm all about this month. That sounds like one of the ways to build some muscle on it that I haven't practiced before. Yeah, I want to try. I want to go back and try the hundred positive. Um, things again because I, I you know as I wrote on GVU I really struggled with it 
and didn't get all the way to 100. But as you said, you kept doing it, and you first you chose a theme, and then you found it was easier when you had themes. And I thought, gee, I should try that. And then you also said that as you just kept doing it, you the momentum kept going, and you get you just kept getting better, and, and it, it was easier to get to 100. Yeah, it did. Like the the and I had done this before, but it's been a long time. So I mean, I knew I this wasn't a super challenging exercise for me. But the when I picked it up again, I got I got to thirty in the low thirties, and I was like, okay, kind of bored of this. And so like it wasn't obviously having juice for me, so I gave it up and went to something else. But then the next day it was way easier, or or wait maybe it was the same day where I was like, wait, try it on a different subject because thirty feels really wimpy. I can't remember, but but the more that I practiced it, the easier it got until I noticed when I was doing it and I did the the whole, I was doing the whole thing with a smile on my face, which was pretty cool to realize, like, this is, this is taking hold. Like, this is really genuine. It's, it's hitting the core. Mm. Yeah, it makes so, me want to try it. Is anybody else going to try it? Who's on the call? Susan, Guillaume? Sorry, I was muted because I was sneezing. Oh, oh. <laughs> bless you. Thank you. So, go for the recording. Do you want to go over the hundred things appreciation again, Jeanette? Well, yeah, it's it. Uh, you know how, like, when Abraham talks about seventeen seconds of pure positive thought, the idea between a hundred positive thoughts is a hundred positive thoughts in a row. So, if you run into a negative one after, like, you know. 12 or so, you got to start over because it isn't just find a hundred positive thoughts interspersed between negative ones. It's a hundred in a row. So um, uh, I, I can't remember. I, I want to say Lisa is the first person that introduced me to that idea. Uh, if it deserves to be credited elsewhere, my apologies. But uh, I the first time I tried it, it, I could feel the challenge behind it. It's like, has anyone done the plank exercise where you you know, you're like on your elbows, you're on your forearms and your tippy toes, plank, you know, like how long you can hold that for. I saw something on Pinterest that was how to get to five minutes in 30 days or something like that, something crazy. And I was like, How's that? that was so specific. I was like, well, how hard is this? So I got down. I was like, how long can I do plank? And, um, oh, my God, it's really hard. <laughs> it's like really, really, really hard. I was lucky to get to like 10 seconds. I was like, five minutes? That's crazy. And uh, But I, I liked the challenge of it. I was like, that, and then I also felt a little wimpy. I was like, seriously, you can, can't get more than 10 seconds? So, because I've been doing abs, hello. I do push or stomach crunches a lot. I do the Bowflex thing for abs all the time. So it seems like it should be more. Anyway, I started practicing it. And, 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 it, it's I'm up to 60 seconds, but I feel like I plateaued because I haven't gotten past 60. Either that, it's like a, it's like a mental. I'm getting sidetracked. All right. The point being that the more I practiced plank, the easier it was to get more time in on it. And it's the same with the positive thoughts. The more I practiced it, the easier it was to get a solid run in to where now I could do it without even trying. It's, it used to be like, oh, okay, well if I'm in a pretty good space, I might be able to. It's like if, if I decide to do it. It's really easy for me to do, regardless of how my day's unfolding, regardless of what kind of mood I'm in. 
which feels like proof that I've been building appreciation muscle using it. So I'm a fan of it, even even though, like I said the first time, I was like, oh, bored with this. So it did make me curious, Nancy, about your experience because I thought maybe this is one of those manifesting processes that really doesn't work for some people. Well, I had heard about it as find a hundred things you appreciate about yourself. Oh, oh boy! For and, a lot, oh my gosh, could there be a more challenging topic for <laughs> most people? And um, and I remember the first time I did it, like. Yeah, I barely got to 40 or something, and I was like, Ugh. Oh, my God, that's, that feels like rock star level on that subject, though. This is like a chore, you know. So when you when you shared it, I was like, yeah, I know that process. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that if I bro- – I like your idea of breaking it down into, like, themes, like, you know. Uh, uh, cats. Let's start, oh, with cat. Let's start with my cat. Yeah, like, right? That yeah. would be so easy, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So easy. So. Oh, wait. So, yeah, would it be they, easy or would I run into, like, but they throw up on my desk every night? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be as easy as I think it would. But it seems like it'd be – some topics would be easier than others. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it does make me want to go back and, and give it a try and break it down into different – because you can easily break 100 into, like, um, categories of, you know, sure. five – Five categories, and and then, sure, sure. then you know, at twenty, it's not so hard to go up with twenty. It kind of feels like what's it called when you go to the gym and you do, you know, like twenty seconds on at each station. What's it called? Yeah, it's called a uh, um, a rep. No. A rep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that. <laughs> so I'm going to definitely give it a try, but I think, you know, I've been practicing. Making the choice to think positive or looking for the blessings in situations. I've been practicing it for so many years that sometimes I do it without really mm-hmm. acknowledging. Hey, look what you just did! You know, mm-hmm. you in the heat of the moment, you you know switch things around and you you know well, found a better. Like you did in chat room where you wrote, "Are they roots or are they silver linings?" Yeah. <laughs> like. It's- Pretty natural habit for pe- for someone like you who's practiced this for a while. Yeah. So, and um, I've always had that kind of Pollyanna. I've been accused of being a Pollyanna on a lot of occasions, but it's because between the choice of focusing on what's pissing me off or focusing on what feels good, it just feels good to shift my focus to, to something that feels better. You know, mm-hmm. even if I'm having to grasp at it in the moment, grasp for things to appreciate. It it just feels better than, than wallowing in what I don't like. And um, so it's just been something I've been practicing for years. And, you know, I I recommend it. Yeah, I, I do too. And, you know, the whole reason that we've got this focus uh, – in May as part of our Year of the Manifestor series is because this is such a basic and essential element of successful manifesting. In fact, you know, Abraham says, uh, you know, everything that they talk about can be boiled down to two words, get happy. And I think appreciation is is a powerful ticket to, to experience that. So I know that a lot of people get turned on by 
learning exotic manifesting techniques. I got so much traffic on my blog from the abundance exercise, from how to manifest a miracle for someone else. But really and truly, if all we did was become powerful appreciators, I think we're home free. I really think that's there's a lot of juice to be had here. But because it's not sexy, because everyone knows it, because it sounds kind of trite, it's easy for um, even savvy creators to overlook uh, how how well this practice can serve us. And I think pretty much everyone has room for improvement on on really embracing it. I know I do anyway. So I've appreciated hearing from you guys how you're bringing it to life in your own um, daily experiences. And I'm going to intend to continue my mastery of this throughout the rest of the year. So don't be surprised to hear more cool stories from me. <laughs> I want to ask just one quick question. On the, on the thing with Russ where you were doing the texting, did you notice a shift in his behavior while you were doing that? I did, but I don't know. It could have been from some other things. I didn't know exactly what to attribute it to, but definitely that guy is um, hes showing up in some very favorable ways. It, it's undeniable. What it's a result of, I couldn't say. It's probably a combination. But, yeah, the answer to that question is, yeah, definitely a shift over there. I, I can't say it's because of my text because it could have been other stuff, But um, I, which is one reason why I, I kind of, I was like, I don't know why my intuition is saying, like, uh, don't do it with him anymore. Just do it, do it privately. But even privately wasn't what it, it wanted to be done. I think the accountability factor to say, I'm going to do this over here now, that might make me more likely to follow through rather than just saying to my own self, you know, you ought to create a new journal for this and just do a couple things about him every day. I think it, it's going to, I'm more likely to follow through if I tell you guys I'm going to do it. So, uh, we'll see, though. I'll, I'll pick it up again and see what develops. And it's, inter- it's an interesting idea of not saying it directly to him, but even saying it directly to other people. Like you have girlfriends, so you could make a choice every day to say something positive about Russ to your friends. You and, know, there, yeah. you, w- you probably wouldn't, maybe you would, Nancy. I was going to say you probably wouldn't know this about me, but but I have something that I learned, I, I know this is a habit from my mom, and I don't know if she got it from her mom too, but it's something I do not want to pass on to anyone else because um, I have a habit, it's easy for me to say negative things about the one that I love. I'm not a person who goes on and on and on about all his fabulous qualities. I'm, I'll be sooner to talk about what's not, what's not cool rather than what is to love. And I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've noticed this about myself before. I've wondered why it is. I wondered, if it, is it just because this is what was modeled for me? Is this because I don't want to be Mrs. Showoffy? Like, I got, I got such the most fabulous guy. Listen to what he just did. It, you know, if I just, I don't know what it's from, but I know it doesn't serve. So if I were to get conscious about saying something nice about him to whoever might ask, that might be a nice turnaround for me to engage too. Mm-hmm. Because the yeah. Lord knows, my guys in my life, whoever they are, they they tend to get. Uh, that's 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 kind of. If we looked at an area of my life that's got rough edges, that's the one. <laughs> so even just practicing saying whether you're doing it for yourself, you know, think like I was connecting with my mom. Nobody else really knew that was happening, but that's and and I could feel her response to me. I. It, it was just very, um, it was very much an internal experience 
mm-hmm. you could do that as well. But if you wanted the accountability with other people, then you could just practice um, making a choice to say something positive about him to other people. And in that way, you get that accountability, but he's not necessarily, you know, hearing it constantly and wondering what you're up to. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what do you want? <laughs> you know, sometimes, like, when um, someone close to me who's LOA savvy, like, starts ranting and raving positive things about me, I'll be suspicious. Oh, they're trying to turn something around. Like, I must have pissed them off in some way because they're purposely trying to find the good things. Like, sometimes I get curious. Like, uh... Um, but Russ probably wouldn't come to that conclusion. Anyway, Nancy, I like that suggestion. So if you guys hear me raving wonderful things about Russ, you're going to know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I might try practicing those kinds of things too. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I think it benefits everybody. Uh, even if the relationship goes in a different direction, it never hurts to send good stuff. Agreed, right? There's no way this doesn't serve me in some form or fashion. Agreed. Appreciation right. is always going to be good for us, no matter right. What, what our reason for it is. Exactly. Really cool conversation today. Thanks for showing up, guys, and for staying on after I uh, lost my connection. I'm going to be curious to hear what you were talking about when I was talking to myself in my office. But um, let's see, our next call is this Friday. Oh, it's our water cooler call. And then on Tuesday, I did change the subject. I posted about it in the forum, so check the calendar for changes because some of you might want to tune into that one. Nancy, I did get your email. I didn't finish reading it, but I I liked it just even in the first sentence. So thanks for that tip. Okay. All right. Great. Um, we'll see y'all uh, in the forums or on our next call. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank Bye-bye. you, Nancy. Bye. Bye. Have a good day, everyone. You too. Bye.